Podcast Society presents Body of Evidence by L.M. Clohessy in partnership with the University of Exeter Podcast Society. Content warnings. The following episode contains murder, violence, graphic depictions of a crime scene, homophobia and descriptions of a homophobic attack, gaslighting, dismissive police, implied unhealthy family relationships, arguments, double standards, implied cheating and infidelity, vague description and mention of kidnapping and implied torture. Recording by Rue Elizabeth Harker, June 19th, 2017, 3.23am, Gateman's Cottage, Midden Park, Allsfield. Hello, Detective Gray. I think you should be the one to hear this. If Detective Gray is not listening to this, please forward it on to him. I believe it to be an integral piece of evidence. I am sitting next to the body of Jerome Michael Yates aged 45. It is... he is... messy. There is a large amount of blood on the floor, cooling. There are spatter marks on the ceiling, bedside dresser, and on the curtains. There are smears of blood on the skirting, under the window, that have been poorly bleached. The lamp is on in the bedroom for the moment, but is likely to be off when you get here. The lights are already off in the rest of the house. There is a steak knife in Mr. Yates's back, and a bloody mallet by his head. There are rope marks around his wrist and ankles, and there are many, many bruises. There is a cloth tied round his mouth, tight, and his neck is at an odd angle. I'm not quite sure what Mr. Yates's actual cause of death is, but I'm not a pathologist. Or a detective. His wedding ring is off his finger next to his body, bloody and scratched. His shirt and trousers are torn and scuffed. His shoes are in the hallway as you come in and are in fine condition. You'll find my fingerprints on the lamp, kitchen door handle, the rope, the handle of the knife and on the mallet. You will not find my shoes, although they are currently by the bedroom door, coated in a thin layer of mud from the park. You'll find my jacket with a sleeve ripped off next to the bedside dresser. There is blood on it. Some of it is Mr. Yates's. Some of it is not. You will find my car a 10 minute walk away from Gateman's cottage with the key still in the ignition. My fingerprints will be on the steering wheel, the door handles, exterior and interior, in the wheel well, on the cushions and the boot. There will be a receipt in my car for rope. Paid for in cash, at a garage out of town. It will not say who bought it. The CCTV from the garage will likely be taped over before you get there. You will find William's fingerprints on the door frame to the bedroom, on the bookshelf in the lounge, on the mallet, as well as on the cloth currently in Mr. Yates's mouth. You will find his jacket hanging off the banister at the end of the stairs, the bottom of it spattered in mud, the top covered in blood. You'll find Pearl's fingerprints on the bed itself, the dresser, the curtains, on Mr. Yates's wedding ring, on the handle of the knife, on the mallet, and on the bleach bottle. You'll find her blood in the kitchen sink and on the cloths used to wipe up the blood under the window. You'll find her wedding ring on the table in the kitchen next to a packet of Mr. Yates's cigarettes. There is a small wet patch on Mr. Yates's right breast pocket. This is where she cried. 
You'll find Jordan's fingerprints on the front door handle. You will not find them anywhere else. William Monley reported a violent assault to the Allsfield Police Department on January 24, 2017. He alleged that Mr. Jerome Michael Yates had attacked him at the back of Yates's car repairs, Mr. Monley's place of work. Mr. Monley alleges that this was a homophobic attack brought on by Mr. Monley's mentioning of his boyfriend in relation to their moving in together. Mr. Monley suffered a black left eye, a split lip, bruising to the cheek and right forearm and cuts along his left knuckles. His work collar was torn. Mr. Alexander Smith and Miss Helena Coates work at Yates's car repairs and report seeing Mr. Monley and Mr. Yates fighting on the ground. Miss Coates attempted to phone the police, but Mr. Yates returned to the shop and said the matter was sorted. Mr. Monley was fired by Mr. Yates the next day. Mr. Yates alleges that Mr. Monley was stealing from him, although denied to press formal charges. Will had only just moved in with Daniel, and he was happier than I'd seen him in a long, long time. His eyes were bright, his smile was wide, his laugh was easy. Will couldn't find a job after what Jerome did. What Jerome said. He might have to move back in with his parents. He and Daniel have been fighting. His scowl is deep. His eyes are tired. He looks distant. I don't know if I can bring him back from this, if anyone can. Despite the bruises and the torn shirt and the testimony of Miss Coates and Mr Smith, as well as comments made by Mr Yates at the local pub, the dubbing Crane, stating that he had roughed someone up who deserved it, you did not arrest or charge Mr Yates, Detective Gray. In fact, you said... Listen, there's not enough evidence, alright? Sure there's a bit of rough and tumble, we can't prove you started it. You can't prove it was because he's... you know... And as for firing, that's not a police matter. Pearl Yates reported a break-in and theft in her home on March 16th, 2017. The back door was ajar, furniture was out of place, and several pieces of jewellery and fine china were missing from Mrs Yates's jewellery box and the chest of drawers in the kitchen. Additionally, Mrs Yates's credit card was missing. Mrs Yates remembers the house smelling of a perfume she didn't wear. Listen, first off, the credit card turned up the next day under one of the cushions in the lounge. That's hardly a theft. The credit card did turn up the next day under one of the cushions in the lounge, with several purchases that Pearl didn't make, for perfume she didn't wear, and petrol for a car she doesn't have. When you interviewed Mrs Yates, she was upset, shaken. When you interviewed Mr Yates, he was dismissive. He says that she didn't have that much fine china or jewellery to begin with. He doesn't think anything's been nicked. She probably just misplaced them. Mr Yates also stated that he sold a few pieces of china with his wife's permission a couple of months ago. She must have forgotten. Or maybe got angry and wanted to kick up a fuss, accuse him of something, you know. Domestics like that aren't a police matter. Overall, there's no evidence of anything wrong. Pearl's family and friends were dismissive too after your report. Accused her of being paranoid, unhappy, attention-seeking. And all this focus on her and her behaviour meant that when Mr Yates started spending nights elsewhere, when people saw him with another woman, laughing and smiling, wearing a particularly memorable perfume, they dismissed it. There is nothing more to say about Jordan Bond. 
I, Miss Rue Elizabeth Harker, attempted to report my friend, Miss Emma Marie Knorr, missing on April 9th, 2017. Emma had not shown up for work and calls to her friends and family found that she had not been seen since the early afternoon of April 8th, when I met her in town for coffee. She had not mentioned anything out of the ordinary and her failure to show up at work suggested that something had happened, that something was wrong. Her flatmate, Miss Hannah Brownstone, had not seen her return the night of April 8th. And when I called you, Detective Gray, you said... Listen, adult missing persons cases can't be opened until 48 hours have passed, alright? Chances are she crashed at a friend's house or made your boyfriend you didn't know about. She'll turn up. But she didn't turn up, did she? We all knew something was wrong and you decided that you knew Emma better than any of us. You didn't. Emma was officially reported missing on April 10th, 2017. Posters were put up by family and friends and an appeal for information was put out. In response to this appeal, Mrs. Sarah Jackson and her husband, Mr. Arnold Jackson, reported seeing a woman fitting Emma's description talking or possibly arguing with a man fitting Mr. Yates's description at around 6.30pm on April 8th. Miss Lorelei Pierce claimed to have seen a man fitting Mr. Yates's description helping a woman fitting Emma's description into his car at around 7 on the same night. And despite this, you said... There's a lot of conjecture here. We talked to Mr. Yates and he said he was at work until 8pm on the night Miss Nora went missing. Showed us his clock and out card. That man could have been anyone. That woman could have been anyone. I am incredibly grateful for all witnesses stepping forward. But you've got to understand that in these situations, people want to help. They might be giving these sightings more credit than they're worth. There isn't any evidence to suggest that... But you didn't look for any evidence, did you, Detective Gray? You didn't check his car. On April 20th, the body of Miss... The body of Miss Emma Marie Knorr was found on the side of the pond in Midden Park, a ten-minute walk from Gateman's cottage. She had been dead for twelve hours. The, oh, the autopsy ruled that her neck had been snapped and that she had been beaten beforehand. Her jaw was broken. Mr. Yates's truck, the red one, seen by Miss Lorelei Pierce, the truck he had had for years, vanished after April 11th, never seen again. Mr. Benjamin Otters stated that he saw a fire over by Mr. Yates's shop on the afternoon of April 19th and went over to investigate. Mr. Otters was particularly concerned as Mr. Yates had not been at work for two weeks due to illness and his staff had not been able to come in as a result. Mr. Yates came out of the front and refused to let Mr. Otters into the shop or the exterior drive. Mr. Yates said he was just getting rid of some old scrap metal and papers and apologised for any concern Mr. Otters had felt. On April 22nd, Mr. Yates asked Mrs. Vera Andrews whether he could deposit some items in her skip. She said yes. He threw out three cardboard boxes of scrap metal, four old photo frames, and a heavily burnt computer. Pearl hadn't seen Jerome much since the 8th, said he was out all day, every day, only came home for a few hours of sleep, wouldn't answer questions, seemed jumpy. Mr. Yates's most recent debit card purchases, taken out of his and Pearl's joint account, were for bleach and a shovel. And yet you said, Listen, that's all circumstantial evidence. There's no prints. 
show me the murder scene and we might get somewhere. And yet, you refuse to search the cottage. We need reasonable suspicion. So in summary, Mr Yates was seen arguing with Emma, seen helping her into a cup. Well, helping is an interesting word. Could mean giving a hand up, could mean shoving in, could mean she wasn't able to fight back at that point. Could mean... You have a woman missing for 12 days. You have a man acting out of character, not at home, not at work, won't mention where he is for 11 days. You have a missing truck and a receipt for rope and a shovel. You have a fire. You have a burnt computer. You have a cottage that is hidden from view of the public near, quite near, where the body was found. And you don't have enough evidence. Not to search the car, not to search the cottage, not to interrogate Mr Yates, not to do your goddamn job. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. William Monley left first, walking east. His bike was parked on the northeast entrance to the park. He has friends in Devon. He does not have a job. His boyfriend is visiting his parents in Dublin and won't be back for another week when you find this. Pearl Finney, formerly Yates, left second walking west. She left via the garden heading towards the section of the park they used for the annual flower show. Almost all of Pearl's family and friends live in Allsfield, although she doesn't speak to them anymore. She spent a holiday in Wales once, a few years back, and she liked the calm. Her husband is quite obviously, dead. She does not have a car, but she has a bus pass and she likes long train journeys. Jordan Bond left at some point, if they ever entered the house to begin with. I will head north, towards the lake. I will put my shoes back on and you might see the prints in the mud depending on if it rains or not. I will leave my coat. I will not return to my car. My parents and sister live in Allsfield. Emma is here too in a coffin under an old oak tree. I have friends in Southampton, London and York. I do not think I'll pay any of them a visit. I have a driver's license, a bus pass and cash on me. I might hitchhike or hail a taxi. I haven't decided yet. Or maybe I have. I will, quite obviously, leave my phone. I've left a lot for you to deal with, Detective Grey. I hope I have been thorough. Please excuse some of the... informalities of this tape. I'm sure you have a lot of questions. I'm sure you will find many answers. But I have one question for you, Detective Grey. Is this enough evidence? Written, directed, and produced by L. M. Clohesse. Executive produced by the University of Exeter's Podcast Society. Ruhaka was played by Morgan Greensmith. Detective Grey was played by Kit Lovick. Story editing by Natasha Johnston. Sound design by Natasha Johnston and L. M. Clohesse. Thank you for listening to Body of Evidence. If you like this and want to hear more about upcoming projects, you can find the University of Exeter Podcast Society on Twitter at Exeter Podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Exeter Podcast. This podcast was supported by the Exeter University Alumni Fund.